This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 5th, 2016. God is extravagant. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. You know, I got to do the same thing as first service. That was really unenthusiastic, I hate to tell you. We need some help up here preaching. We need some enthusiasm. Good morning, Connection Church. My name's Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today. It's a day full of expectation. And we might think we know what our schedule is, but you really know what it is. And so help us always be ready when you interrupt us. And Lord, now help us set aside everything that's going to happen when we leave here and have a laser focus on you. Help us really give this time to you, all of us. And so we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody gathered, set, and said amen. amen. Thank you so much. Well, we are starting our June series, God is blank, period. God is, thank you so much for participating with our ping pong balls uh, in the month of May. We got such great input, great ideas, and the challenge was, you should have seen when we dumped them all out and we're reading all of the balls, the challenge was boiling it down to four. And uh, so we did, and today is, God is what? Extravagant. Let's get started. Amen. God is extravagant. Extravagant, the uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary tells us that extravagant means exceeding the limits of reason or necessity, lacking in moderation or balance or restraint, spending much more than necessary. Extravagant. So it's very interesting that we use this term extravagant for God, exceeding the limits of reason or necessity, lacking in moderation, balance, restraint, seriously? I mean, God is our very source of reason. God is at the center of wholesome living, of balanced living, and we read that all things in moderation, that's important, and yet, and yet, over and over and over again, we see where our God, our God, the God of all creation, is what? Extravagant. So let's take a look at that creation, for example. I was reading just the other day, Time Magazine, that scientists recently discovered a new species of glow-in-the-dark jellyfish. I'm sure you wanted to know that this morning, didn't you? <laughs> That's why you came to church, to get that little... A little uh, nugget there. I'm not especially a big fan of jellyfish. I've never been stung by one. I hope that that continues. <coughs> uh, you know what? I just heard somebody say, oh, my gosh, who's been stung by a jellyfish? Yeah, if you've been in the ocean, you have. So you know why I want to keep my string continuous, right? Yes. So, um, so it wasn't so much the fact that it was a glow-in-the-dark jellyfish, but what caught my attention was that a new species of something was discovered. So I I did a little research and found that approximately 10,000 new species of plant and animal are discovered each year. 10,000. According to Fact Monster, an online thing, there are over 1.5 million plant and animal species 
that, that we're currently aware of. Uh, you know, there, there's over a quarter of a million just flat, different kinds of flowering plants, 250,000 different flowering plants. Uh, you know, the truth is nobody other than God knows exactly how many species exist. There are estimates of anywhere from 2 billion to 50 billion. They've really narrowed it down, haven't they? I'm sorry, 2 million to 50 million. That's a really narrow range there. Apparently, God likes variety, though, to the point of being extravagant. And I guess it's for his enjoyment, and I celebrate it's for our enjoyment as well. Think about a clear night when we go outside and we look up in the sky and see the many, many stars. I mean, doesn't it just take your breath away to see the expanse of the universe? It is absolutely amazing. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, wow, home to around three billion stars. I mean, really, how do they figure that one out? We just know that it's extravagant. It's a lot. <coughs> and astronomers estimate that there's like a lot more galaxies, 10, 100, 100 billion, billion. galaxies. I just don't know how they get those numbers. But the point is, why so many? Because God is extravagant. I mean, looking out, out there, looking in here, according to smithsonian.com, it, it, it's estimated that the human body is made up of 37.2 trillion cells. Now, somebody in the booth between services said to me, "Now, Alan, are they calculating like you, or your, or or your son's um, fiance, who's about a third my size? You know, uh, or less. I'm figuring they're splitting the difference. I'm 50, she's 25, and they're splitting the difference at 37.2. <laughs> anyway, it's only an estimate." Just like the stars, I don't think anybody sat down with cells and counted the actual cells, but that's a lot of cells, isn't it? 37.2 trillion? I'd say that's kind of extravagant. God's extravagance really catches our attention, though. It doesn't have anything to do with species or the stars in the sky or even the miracle of all the cells in the body and the way everything works together in just an incredible, miraculous way. Really what's extravagance is when we think about God's love. God's love. God is love. We can tell you that a lot of these balls you wrote, God is love. That was your word. Love. God's love is absolutely extravagant. And we see examples of that in the Bible, many stories, story after story. One of those stories that readily comes to mind is a story many of you are probably familiar with, the story of the prodigal son. We find that in the uh, 15th chapter of Luke, second part of the Bible, New Testament. It's a parable that Jesus shared. Now, a parable is a simple story that conveys a, a deeper, uh, a greater truth. It, it, it's, a, it's a parable of extravagance. Extravagance is at the very heart of the story. In fact, that's the meaning of prodigal. It means wastefully extravagant, spending money or resources freely or recklessly. As I said, many of you are probably familiar with that story, a story of a young man who asks his father for his inheritance before the old man even passes away, asks for his inheritance early, and then goes and spends all of that money recklessly on some wild, wild living. He, when all the money's gone, 
he goes to work in a pig pen, which is kind of ironic since he's Jewish and Jews and pigs usually don't mix. Anyway, as the pigs are filling their bellies, he's going hungry. And finally he says, you know, I'm going to go home, ask Daddy for forgiveness, and see if I can hire on as one of his servants, which he does. Meanwhile, the father is standing, I, I just have this visual of the father standing at the end of the lane since, the, since his kid left. I mean, we wait and we wait. I think some of our parents whose kids have kind of gone and strayed, we never give up waiting and waiting for them to return. And that's what this father was doing, waiting and waiting. And imagine this, like he's looking out and he sees way in the distance his son walking toward him one step at a time. And the father's heart, and I'm, I'm making up my own story, but I think that the premise is basically true. The father's heart must have leapt, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is big stuff. And he runs toward his son and welcomes him home and, and hugs him and is so glad he's home, and he orders the servant to get the robe and put it around his shoulders and put a ring on his hand because that's the symbol that this son is not a servant but he is a son he is a brother he is a member of the family and there's just rejoicing because the father said for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is and is found and they threw a big party and celebrated you know we typically call this the the parable of the prodigal son. But it's also a parable of a prodigal father. A father whose love is so extravagant, excessive, over the top, beyond measure, that it's hard to imagine. It's the story of many of us who have turned from God, who have run from God, who've <coughs> squandered what God has given us in wild living, only to... <clears throat> one day come to our senses and return home to our Father in heaven. And he welcomes us with open arms, offering of his, us his unconditional love and forgiveness that, that goes beyond all measure. It's love that is prodigal, a love that is difficult for many of us to understand because it is just so recklessly extravagant. So the prodigal son story is found in Luke chapter 15. There's another story that we'd like to lift up. It's found in Matthew. Matthew's in the New Testament at the beginning, and it's called a gospel, which means good news. It shares the story of Jesus. And in the book of Matthew, we find Jesus' teachings, lots and lots of them. And there's one particular uh, segment that we want to focus on. It's Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus is teaching from a boat and crowds of people gather at the edge of the lake. In this example in chapter 13 of Matthew, he is again talking in parables, telling a story about a deeper truth. And those who are gathered, he's trying to help them as they listen, as they lean into what does the kingdom of heaven look like? I'm sure, I know I've wondered that. And so Jesus teaches it, Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven 
is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Mm. Great simple stories that tell such a bigger truth. Now these parables are usually, usually interpreted such that, that the man represents you and me. And, and we, when, when we find the treasure, when we find the pearl, we go and sell all we have in order to obtain it. The, the treasure, the, the pearl is heaven, God's kingdom. And we're, we are willing to give it all in order to be a part of that. A few years ago, we heard a, a pastor uh, share, share a message where he took a little different spin on this whole thing, and, and the spin he took rings true for us this morning, I think. And the idea there is, what if? What, what if? <laughs> what if it was God who found the treasure, who found the pearl? What, what if it was God who was willing to basically put it all on the line in order to obtain it? And then, and then the, what if that treasure, that pearl of great value, was you or me or us? What, what if we turn that story upside down and we're the treasure, we're the pearl of great value, and, and all of a sudden, this is a whole different story with this prodigal God that we talk about this morning at the very center this God whose love borders on the scandalous because it is so excessive. And, and, and we, you and I, then are the recipients. You know, heaven is, heaven is a place where we are the recipients of this over-the-top, ridiculous, unconditional love of this extravagant God. And then we have to wonder, why in the world does God do this and the only answer we have is, it's because that's who God is. That's who God is. That is who God is. And that's who God has been from the very beginning. Extravagant. Absolutely extravagant. As God was just going crazy, putting stars in the heaven and, and birds in the sky and fish in the ocean and animals on the land, he was also creating something in his very own image, creating something that he could share this extravagance with. Creating something, creating someone with a divine spark, a spark of the divine, and that is you, you. God was so extravagant that God created humankind, put them in a garden that had absolutely everything they needed. It was paradise. Oh, yeah. All there just for them. They could have had anything in the garden, absolutely anything except for the fruit from one tree, just <laughs> one tree in the midst of that entire paradise right there in the middle it was all there for them another thing that God did for us he was so extravagant that he gave us free will free will 
to choose. <laughs> so extravagant that they could choose other than what God told them to choose. And they did. <laughs> they did choose other, just like you and I so often do. They chose poorly. They, they listened to the voice of one other than God. And they ate that fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from, and they lost the garden. Adios paradise. You know, where they once ran freely naked without care or concern, they now hid, ashamed, aware of their vulnerability, aware of their separation from God. And yet God did not abandon them. They were hiding and God came a-calling. Where are you? He asked. Where are you? <laughs> Which is interesting since he already knew. Yeah. Sometimes he just wants us to fess up. Here I am. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> and the man said, you know, I, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said to him, who told you that? Who, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? You know, it's the same question God would ask you and me. Who told you that? Who, who told you that you're stupid? Who told you that you're worthless? Who, who, who told you that you're ugly? Who told you that you can't do anything right? Who, who told you that you don't deserve to be loved? Who told you you're a loser? Who told you whatever it is that you're listening to that isn't from God, that's tearing you down instead of building you up? Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that? And with that question, God once again showed his extravagant love that we speak of this morning as he, as he drew the man and the woman ever closer to himself, helping them to understand that it's his voice, God's voice, and God's voice alone that we should listen to, and, and that God and God alone <clears throat> has our best interest at heart, and that God and God alone loves us unconditionally and with the extravagance that we talk about this morning. When they realized that they were naked, Adam and Eve covered themselves with leaves. God offered them a more permanent solution by covering them with the garments made of animal skin. That covering was the first blood sacrifice in the Bible. The first blood sacrifice to cover the sin of humankind. It certainly was not the last. No, because the last came many years later, the last blood sacrifice, with the sacrifice of God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. God the Father showed us just how extravagant his love for us is when he allowed Jesus to be hung on a cross, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. You know, Jesus was without sin, <laughs> And yet he willingly gave himself up for you and for me. Uh, once again, 
blood being shed for the forgiveness of our sin. Once again, God showing and sharing his extravagant, over-the-top, beyond-understanding love for us. Once, Once again, being generous to the point of being scandalous with his extravagant love for you and me. God is extravagant, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because that's who God is. That's God's character. God cannot not love. God cannot not be extravagant. God is love. God equals love. God equals extravagant love, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more or less. All we can do is to accept that gift and to renounce the lies of the world, those voices in our heads that say, who told you that? Because God would never tell you any of that. You are priceless. And he gave his very best so that you would know, so that we would know how ridiculously extravagant God's love is for each one of us. You know, at this point in the message on most Sundays, we give you all um, a challenge, a mission, an assignment, an opportunity uh, to go out this week and to put into practice what we've talked about during this time on Sunday morning. For example, a typical assignment for today would be to go out and share this extravagant love of God with somebody else. Go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and share this extravagant love. (coughs) It's probably not a bad assignment, although I'm not sure how we can possibly do it because I'm not sure we can even come close to sharing the extravagant love of God even though we try. But even if we could, that's not what we're doing this morning. We're not giving you an assignment today to go out and do anything with what we've said. We don't want you to do. We kind of want you to be and to just this morning just kind of open your hands, your arms, and be in acceptance mode and just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to accept this extravagant, scandalous, over-the-top, prodigal love that you have for me. So where, where you're sitting right now, if you would just risk a little bit and just release your hands from like this and just sit with your hands open as a, as a sign of receiving. Yeah. See, it's hard for us to do that, I think, because unconditional love is not normally part of a human beings. We, we're not used to it. Most of the love that we're used to has conditions. It has strings. Uh, we hate to admit it, but it's true. Come on. I'll love you if. We got that growing up. It's nothing against our parents, but I'll love you if you're a good boy or girl, if you do good in school. I'll, I'll do it if you do what I tell you to do. I'll, I'll love you. And, and that doesn't change once we get older. I'll, I'll love you if, 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 if you love me. I'll love you if you do what I've asked you to do. I'll love you if, uh, you if, meet we, my expectations. if we meet each other's expectations. Mm-hmm. If, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's, 
It's not a condemnation, it's, it's our humanness. Because as humans, we, we, we've been trained to and we're used to and we participate in what we would call conditional love. Love with an if clause. We see, God's love has no if clause. You can't do anything to make God love you any less. You, you can't do anything to make him love you any more. You, know, you, uh, you can go out and do a, a million goody good things. It's not going to have God love you more because he already loves you extravagantly. Me, Gary, all of us. Our challenge is can we accept that? Even though we're not worthy of it, even though we didn't earn it, see, we're used to earning love. We're not going to earn this love. Even though we're used to having to do something for the love that we receive, ain't nothing you can do other than say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And so if there is an assignment today, it's for you to just say, God, thank you. And thank you for loving me. And if we're going to do anything in response, it would be, to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ in response to that love that God offers. That, 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 that's what today is all about. Just, here I am, Lord. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the love. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 Seven eight seven six nine two. Connection Community Church. Connecting people.